All right, church family. Ready to talk more about heaven? I've tried over the last two weeks to show you the value of a heavenly fixation. How thinking of heaven can actually bring real life impact. The fact is, how we will live with God then should influence how we live for God now. We must be heavenly minded in order to be of earthly good. We need to talk about heaven. And that's our problem. Many contemporary Christian thinkers have noted that the topic of heaven is rarely talked about today. And ironically, heaven has fallen off our radar for the very reason that we have discussed over the last two weeks, relevance. And I think you might find it interesting to consider that, you know, if you were to talk with people today who have been in church all their adult lives, especially those who are under the age of 55, well, they would be hard pressed to recall ever having heard a single sermon specifically on heaven. Oh, they might've heard one where it was occasionally mentioned, but never an in-depth series. So we might ask ourselves the question, how can we set our hearts on heaven when we have such an incomplete view of the subject? And that incomplete view, man, it's led to a lot of confusion. You see, although an overwhelming majority of Americans continue to believe that there is life after death and that heaven and hell do exist, what people actually believe about these things varies significantly. In fact, our understanding about heaven has been influenced by a smorgasbord of information. I mean, we have pieced together our religious views from some song lyrics here and some sacred texts there and, and maybe our, our college social psychology classes, our parents, our, our bosses and coworkers. Hey, even the Simpsons have influenced our thinking. And the result? Well, popular views about the afterlife are typically more mythical than they are biblical. So moving forward, I want us to have a conversation about heaven. Now, I'm going to engage in this endeavor knowing full well that no one knows exactly what heaven will be like. No one has a PhD in the subject, even though my grandmother said that she knew people who graduated college, come Lordy, come. We have to acknowledge our limited understanding, but God has given us glimpses in scripture, times where he has pulled back the curtain separating our current and future existence. But the fullness of what will be well, it's still unknown to us, which brings up a very interesting thought. For all our desire to make it to heaven, there is actually very little written in the Bible about going to heaven when we die. It's as if heaven, while providing us with hope and focus now, is not intended to be the, the actual goal or end game for the Christian. And look, we're gonna flesh this out more in the weeks to come, but for the time being, let's at least acknowledge that there is more to heaven than meets the eye. And now in future lessons, it's going to be my intent to take a look at heaven itself. And it's not going to be a matter of speculation or rumor or conjecture because God has purposefully revealed in his own insights into what heaven is going to be like. We have very clear descriptors of our next home, but just to whet our appetites and get a hint of coming attractions. Today, I want us to go to some words in red. Listen to Jesus talk about his father's home. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And let's walk through John 14, one through three together. Jesus describes the home for the soul by saying, hey, there are many rooms. 
There's more than enough room. Heaven is a place of community. It will not be a place to escape relationships, but a place of rich friendships where all ages and races and nationalities are welcome. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place. Heaven is a real, tangible place. You and I are going to be raised in physically transformed bodies. So the idea of heaven being some ethereal fog where we float around from cloud to cloud as disembodied spirits with wings, well, that's Plato's idea, not Jesus's. Each of us is going to have a resurrected body and we're going to live in a real place. Jesus said, I will come and get you. Heaven is a place of unique identity. We're not going to be genderless clones. God wants you. Your uniqueness is part of his glory. But maybe there are things about you that you don't like. Well, that's okay. Because on that day, you will be the perfect version of yourself. And maybe the best of all, Jesus said, you will be with me. We're going to experience Jesus and God face to face. And there's going to be more found in that encounter than we can even realize. It's going to be a place of ultimate fulfillment. Asaph said in Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. Augustine was right when he said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. He called God the end of our desires. See, being with God in person, well, it's, it's what we're made for. Our souls long for God. The story is told about a little boy who was in the park. He was flying his kite on a cloudy day and a man approached him and asked what he was doing. And the boy said, well, I'm, I'm flying my kite. And the man responded, well, you can't even see it. How do you know it's there? And the little boy answered, because I feel the tug deep in my soul. I know that I was made for more than all of this. I feel the tug. And Jesus tells me, there's a home. I'm getting it ready. So don't be troubled. Trust God, trust me. And one day, well, you'll be welcomed to the home for your soul. Friends, allow the tug of heaven to sustain your soul during the cloudy quarantine days of life. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I hope to see you soon.